Blog Talk Radio. Podcast this 19th September 2017. I'm your host, Stu, or as it says on my birth certificate, Jeffrey A. Stewart, broadcasting from uh, the Escuela de Stewart, uh, the uh, homeschooling classroom in, uh, in my home that uh, Mrs. Stewart has graciously lent out to me as a studio at night here in Chesapeake. Uh, weather is uh, rainy and windy as we're getting little bits of uh, Hurricane Jose coming our way. Uh, good show for you tonight. We have Monica Solar, who is the American Solidarity Party candidate in uh, for for the uh, for state delegate in New Jersey. Um, though she also on Facebook, you might see her as Monica Tully. I think there's some sort of conspiracy from Mark Zuckerberg that I heard about <laughs> about her name. Welcome, Monica. Uh, thanks for being with us tonight. Hi, thanks, Stu. Thank you for having me. Uh, Tully is my maiden name. That's the uh, that's the secret there. So why can't uh, Mr. Zuckerberg manage to uh, change it? I heard there's just some trouble there. I have tried. It's supposed to on my profile. It says when I open it up, it says Monica Tully Solar, but it never seems to go that way when I post. It just says Monica Tully. So uh, most people know who I am. Excuse <laughs> and me. And if you want to find I'm coming off a head cold, so I apologize if I'm a little hoarse here. Uh, you, you, you sound you sound fine, uh, and uh, folks, if you want to find her on Facebook on her candidate page, you can search for Monica and Solar S O H L E R, and uh, it will mm-hmm. pop right up. So, right. Uh, I think an, an obvious question, Monica, to start off with. Um, well, what's the uh, what's the ten cent version about uh, about Monica? Oh, uh, goodness gracious! Well. Um... I am, let's see, I, first thing I think of is I'm mom to five kids. That's probably not the first thing everyone would say, but uh, uh, married about 30 years. I uh, went to Drexel University. I've done a whole lot of things. I actually, uh, in college, was a radio DJ. I was a really bad one, but um, <laughs> I used to work at the Franklin Institute Science Museum. I have a degree in communications and education. And I homeschooled my children as well, for the most part. They're all grown up. My youngest is off of college right now. Uh, I have one daughter who got me into the Solidarity Party. She's currently living in New Zealand, and she may be listening right now. So if you are, Annie, hello. Uh, I guess that's the short version. I'm a big animal person, too. So any second now, you might hear a dog bark. The dog is, is at my feet as we speak. So if you, were, uh, if you homeschooled all your children, I mean, you were really in when the movement was early. Um, yeah, well, there were, it was still weird, but it wasn't as weird as it had been 10 years earlier. We started, my son, who's 32 now, he was eight when we started homeschooling. And, um, he had some difficulty in regular school, not academically. He had some difficulty, uh, I would say socially. And, uh, once we were homeschooling, I was reluctant to do it at first because I thought it was strange but uh, it helped him a lot socially, and what really helped him was when he discovered he was a musician, found his own species, other musicians. He still works uh, in the music industry, and uh, perfectly fine once he's with other musicians. So he grew up to be awesome, and uh, he's married with a son now. 
But uh, we started homeschooling way back then, and I was dragged into a kicking and screaming because they weren't quite sure what to do with him in regular school. And uh, it became a lifestyle that we really, really enjoyed. So the world is a classroom. I think a lot of people have uh, probably similar stories of dissatisfaction, which leads them uh, down that route. Um, So, folks, uh, if you want to call in and be able to talk to Monica, the number is 917-889-3030, And, uh, you know, start calling in now, and we will cycle you in. You know, I think uh, the next next, uh, obvious question out of that, Monica, is – so the American Solidarity Party, how did you find yourself there? Well, uh, when I first – well, I guess I my first registered to vote in 1978, and I registered as a Democrat. Um, I uh, stayed registered. I always voted – I voted uh, pro-life was my primary obje- primary concern voting – and uh, the Democratic Party was moving more and more away from that. And in 1992, when uh, Bob Casey was um, Bob Casey, governor of Pennsylvania, was treated very poorly by the Clintons and the Democratic Convention, I sort of left the Democratic Party, and I've gone between independent and Republican. But I was very um, this past election, I couldn't find myself voting for either option. I was completely stumped. And my daughter, who lives in New Zealand, my daughter Annie, uh, told me about the Solidarity Party. So I went and read some of the material, and I said, this is, this is something I can get behind. So that's where my vote went this past presidential election. It was the first time I had ever decided to vote third party in a presidential election. Um, I always before followed the, quote, lesser of, t- of two evils line, and I just couldn't do it this past time around. So I said, you know, I'm going to actually vote my conscience possibly for the first time since I've been voting, you know, completely comfortably. So that's what that's what brought me in. And I found that on the whole, uh, I read the platform, I read the platform and say, boy, 99.9% of this I am completely on board with. And I think you might be the only person we have in the party via the Kiwi connection. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, well, Annie is a, she is, she is, a, there is a student. So she does vote absentee, uh, you know, her registration's still in New Jersey. But uh, she, uh, yeah, she from New Zealand let me know about the party. You know, you wrote in a, uh, on the consistent uh, life blog, I was reading a, a, mm-hmm. a piece you wrote, and you wrote, uh, quote, yet I began to notice something eerily similar with both parties. I couldn't yep. quite place my finger on it. There was a sameness despite the very different platforms, and this sameness grew over time and tied in directly to life issues. Special interests and the backing of big business became something shared by both parties. Both parties moved towards abortion, the death penalty, and a quick finger, a quick trigger finger on war issues. Yeah, it really resonated with me. Um, do you find that quite often when, you know, in social settings, when it comes talking to politics, that you know, depending on who's in the room, you get lumped in with the other side automatically, or, or you just take shots from both sides. Um, I probably take shots from both sides, but I think uh, very often when people find out I am opposed to abortion, they immediately assume I am, uh, you know, extremely right wing. Um, 
Yeah, so it's easy to get lumped in there. In fact, that seems to trump any other view. No matter what you've said on any other issue, when that comes up, it's like, oh, you're, you think that way, which is fairly bizarre to me. So, yeah, uh, if we're talking about other issues, if I'm a room full of conservatives, I'll sound more liberal. If I'm a room full of liberals, I'll sound more conservative. So I tend to like to view each issue on its own. But I did find, and it really wasn't until I was looking, uh, writing that that piece for the blog that it all did come together for me, that there was a lack of of a view from both parties as a whole, this is a generalization, of course, of a human person having worth and dignity of themselves, not based on what they could do, not based on their condition, uh, ability. Both parties in different ways uh, don't respect that. There's a certain sense where a human being is a commodity one way or the other. And that light bulb just went off in my head. And I realized that was the difference with the Solidarity Party, that it was based on the dignity of the human person no matter what because they are human. And everything else flowed from that. That was extremely important to me, and that, that changes everything. Yeah, there's, a, uh, there's an article that I sometimes uh, throw out there from uh, John Madai, who might be uh, listening and you know, eventually I'll call on him again to to, to come by and uh, and chat with us. But it's called uh, I think the Triumph of the Liberal State, and in it he posits that you know right now we have two liberal parties. We have a liberal party socially in in the Democrats, and then we have a liberal party in the uh, in the GOP, which has embraced economic liberalism or capitalism. And I think that uh, increasingly that's why your line really jumped out to me. You know, recognizing that really, I, I think they're meeting in the middle. I think both of the parties are meeting in their in their middle, and it, it, liberalism is is the common common denominator. And it's all about what I get to do as a you know quote you know free individual, whether it's you know with my body or with my uh, with my bank account. Uh, and I think I guess how are you I, defining the term liberal? That word has has become almost meaningless. Um, it certainly it changed from its original. Uh, meaning. So how are you using the term? Well, liberal liberalism in the sense that you are, as an individual, you are free from obligations from either your, your, your the community or society as a whole, that all that matters is just your personal freedom. Um, that's, okay. that's the sense. And so if you you know, there's really no difference, I'd say, from the from the left when they argue that I can do whatever I want with my body. There's no difference than the, the, the person on the right that said, hey, I got my money. I can do whatever I want with it, whether it's unfair business practices or heck, I can buy what what I want with it. And, you know, it's easy to see with this hyper hyper sex uh, society we have that <laughs> those interests are going to are, are starting to merge as well, you know, because uh, it, it becomes hmm. the, the social and the economic are coming together. Oh yeah, I I don't know, I don't know how apart they've ever really been. <laughs> That's oh, good. Uh, yeah, to an extent it, the dark side of human nature. Yeah, and it, it, right in our society, money and power go together, and uh, you know, power does really corrupt people. That's and anyone who thinks that can't happen to them is deluding themselves. I mean, it can. I don't think it happens suddenly to anyone. I think it happens slowly, but it's. I'd say it's it's about power, really. Now, okay. Well, speaking speaking of power, even though I know you're not doing this for power, but what the, <laughs> you know you got to the you got into the ASP, 
And uh, yeah. but now you're running. I mean, so how do you how do you make that leap? That is a big commitment to to run for office. Uh, so it is. I have done you get it there? before uh, in my town. Um, I'm not new to it. I'm not. Um, I'm not blind to the pitfalls of it. Even in a small town, politics can be very dirty. I did not play dirty, um, certainly without any intent to do so. Um, but I would. It certainly. I know that's part of the game. And people who were otherwise friends and neighbors, there were things that were said about me, and that is not. I have no resentment toward it because that's simply what happens when you run for office. And when it's over, there's nothing personal between people. Now, I did not go that way, and I don't want to go that way. But I think when you run for office, you have to have a bit of a thick skin, that stuff like this will happen. You cannot take it personally. So I am not – this is not new to me, even though it was on a very small local level. So I was asked – I was asked by the the, the, – party in New Jersey and by the party if I would be willing to run in New Jersey since we have an election this year. And I thought about it and I thought, well, my skin is thick enough that I can kind of take it. (laughs) And um, you can sit and complain about everything that's wrong with everything or you can do something when you're asked. Now, my youngest is away at college. Um, I don't have the obligations I had even a year ago. So why couldn't I run? I believe in the platform. So uh, why not? So that's kind of how I got into it. And it is, you know, it is a it is a matter of public service, and there are politicians that do still believe in that that it's a matter of public service. Um, with all the problems that are in politics, whether it's in Washington or Trenton, there are people that really, you know, view it as a, as a form, it's a way to serve, and that hopefully is what I do as well. Well, I'd be just playing the odds. There has to be some honest politicians out there, even though we like to make jokes about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely I, I believe there are. I don't always agree with people, their political stands, but I think um, I know even in my small town uh, when I was campaigning, you know, you go door to door and everybody is criticizing the uh, the people in power. And here I was running as an opposition candidate. And I ended up defending some of the people I'm running against because, you know, if you want to get rich in politics, you don't run for a little local office. There's long hours. It's thankless. Everybody complains at you. So I think I do like to look at how people people are serving. They're really trying to serve their communities. Not everyone. There's always some crooks. And there's also people that just get, I think, jaded by doing it all the time and trying to – just trying to play the game to survive and get a few things through that they want. And we can be awfully hard. We can be awfully hard on our politicians. So. Yeah. I think there's this also this misconception, you know, we, we love the, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington story, (laughs) but, but the, the notion that one person really, especially with our, 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 our fixation on the national level of politics, you know, one person's going to get in there and, uh, they're just going to change everything. And it's just a, a completely unrealistic expectation on our part. Right. Looking for a Messiah, political Messiah. Yeah. And uh, or Santa Claus. Yeah. Change has to come at, at, and this is one thing, you know, I'm drawn one aspect of the party that I'm quite drawn to is the notion of, although people use a different term, sometimes subsidiarity, the notion of uh, the importance of this smaller levels of community. And um, that can be easily confused with federalism or even to an extent some aspects of libertarianism, but it's different. Um, So, you know, looking for someone else to fix things 
if you're listening, go out and do something yourself. That's where the change happens. It happens with each individual. And um, if you can do something in your community, just join and do something. You know, and uh, you build relationships in real life that way. You stop expecting someone distant to fix all your problems. Not that I think that's not it's sometimes appropriate, uh, but solutions have to start. Locally is not quite the right word. They have to start with the individual and with the community of one or two people getting together to do something. Oh, I agree completely. Uh, we have a caller, Monica. Let's see. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see what you got, uh, uh, question-wise. Caller, you're you're on the air with Monica Solar. Yes, uh, my name is Marianne, and I came just a few minutes late um, to the talk, so I'm not sure if this topic has been covered. But I noticed that you just had mentioned subsidiarity, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering what you think of um, the idea of civilian review boards. For one, that's in our platform. The idea of having civilians have an oversight um, uh, with regard to interactions with police. In -hmm. particular, I'm thinking that such a review board is beneficial not only for the civilians but for the police officers in trying to change a culture in a police department where they might be afraid to say something, um, you know, in the blue wall of silence. So it's beneficial for both. And then I was also thinking that something else, which isn't mentioned in your platform but is comparable to the Civilian Review Board is something like a Senior Care Review Board. Hmm. Sometimes uh, employees in nursing homes and, and assisted living centers might hesitate to say something because of the culture uh, in a particular facility, and they might be uh, worrying about their jobs. And then, conversely, the family members of seniors might be uh, concerned about saying something they might be observing behaviors that they're not happy with but are um, resistant as far as making a fuss because seniors like to stay in one place and it's actually quite traumatic for them to shift places. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, so a, 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 you might say a senior uh, or elder care review board might be something you know, on, a, on a lower level, community level, where they can informally go in and say, look, you know, I've been observing this and what do you think? And so, you know, the civilian review boards for law enforcement and then this kind of elder care review board for concerns that people have regarding uh, senior care, I'm thinking might be something that's compatible with the platform of the American Solidarity Party. And I'm wondering what you um, uh, think about that. That uh, the, the idea of the senior review board, that's kind of that's very interesting. And I hadn't thought about that before. Um, as far as the civilian review boards, um, I think it depends. I think it depends on your location because anyone in a position of power can become uh, a problem. Um, I think it depends on the individual uh, police force, the individual town, and what the problems of that town are. Uh, I certainly think a civilian review board can be helpful, and it can also uh, there can be people simply out to get the police. So I think each each one has to be sort of viewed on a case-to-case basis. Uh, once again, the problem is inside, unfortunately, inside the human heart. Uh, sometimes solutions can become their own problems. So I don't have an easy answer for that. I think civilian review boards can be certainly helpful and good in some situations. I think it has to. It depends on the community and the problems of that individual community. Uh, the senior board that that is that is very interesting, and I'm not sure how you would do that. Very often, uh, 
if you legislate certain I guess it depends if there's a need, but I think there's definitely a need. Uh, there's a lot of senior abuse, and that's something uh, in the state of New Jersey that's certainly going to be an issue. So you've given me something to think about and look into and see what's see what's there. I'm I'm thinking of a particular case I know of where a neighbor took advantage of a senior and then ended up taking their – basically taking all their goods, having them sign them over. And there wasn't much recourse for this person because the person was afraid. Um, so there's got to be something – there's got to be a way to deal with that. So you've definitely given me something to think about there. I, I would love to have a better answer than it depends on the location for the civilian review boards. Um, and yet that's the answer I would have to give. It depends on the situation, the location. I think it's needed some places and other places. I am not sure. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, caller, for that question. Uh, we're going to go to a break. And so we're here talking with Monica Solar, running for delegate in the state of New Jersey. If you want to get in a question to Monica, 917-889-3030, 917-889-3030, and we'll, uh, we'll be back. It is, and unfortunately, we don't have an accounting system that, that accounts for all of those externalized costs that cheap food creates, from antimicrobial resistance to you know, superbugs, MRSA, C. diff, uh, to, you know, Campylobacter, E. coli, Listeria. I mean, these are all uh, uh, caused by that. Interestingly, about 12 years ago, the Government Accounting Office in the U.S., the, the Congressional GAO, a Government Accounting Office, which is a, a, a nonpartisan, you know, kind of uh, um, whatever research group that works for Congress, they were commissioned to research foodborne, um, foodborne illness, you know, uh, toxic food. And um, they came out with four things that created foodborne illnesses. Number one was centralized farming, huge, huge centralized farms. Number two, centralized processing, huge, huge mega processing facilities. Uh, number three was long-distance transportation, you know, long uh, uh, distribution chains. And the fourth was um, uh, commitment to antibiotics, was, was routine, routine antibiotic use, uh, you know, drugging your dinner. Now, interestingly, so th this is what they came up with. Now, that actually is true. I mean, something true came out of the government. All right, mm. cool, <laughs> great, all right. Now, you would think that somebody at a high policy decision, a president, let's say, would look at those four things and say, okay, if that's the problem, what's the opposite of those things? Well, what's the opposite of centralized farms? Oh, a lot of small, vibrant family farms. What's the opposite of centralized processing? Oh, community kitchens, um, cottage industry, uh, maybe your own home kitchen, you know, uh, domestic culinary arts. You know, use your techno glitzy kitchen that's more gadgetized than, than anybody's ever had and, and uh, use it to prepare, preserve, package, and, 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 and uh, uh, work, with, work with food. Now we have time bake. We've got, you know, hot and cold water. We've got refrigerators. We've got, you know, ranges and cool stuff. Uh, the third was, um, was uh, long-distance distribution. What's the opposite of warehouses and long-distance distribution? Uh, let's see, let's see. We've got to think real hard on that one. What would be the opposite? Oh, uh, uh, that sounds like local. 
local transparent yeah. systems. And the fourth one, the, the routine use of, of uh, antibiotics, well, what's the opposite of that? Well, the opposite of that is creating a terrain on farm for the tomatoes, the peppers, the chickens, and the pigs, a, a, a habitat that actually um, uh, reverences and honors the physiological distinctiveness of that life form, of that being. So it, it affirms the pigness, it affirms the tomatoness, it affirms you know, a habitat uh, uh, and creates a terrain that actually builds immunological function. Wow, amazing that. You know, we could actually build immunological function. And so, you know, the, the, the solution to these four things are not rocket science. But what would we do? We just push them under the table because that's too hard. Right. And, and we, we, have, we, it, we have too big a ship to turn around. You know, we, we've got, as, as uh, I think Teddy Roosevelt is said to have said, he said, it's really hard to get a person to see something different when his paycheck depends on believing something else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey folks, Stu here from the Day's Work Podcast. Do you like what we're doing here? Are you interested in political thought and policy that doesn't fit into the typical left-right paradigm? Are you interested in providing a Christ-centered witness in the public square? Or do you support the traditional family of mother, father, and child as the foundation of our society? Do you share our call for the greatest possible autonomy for local governments? Or do you advocate for an economy in accord with the dignity of human work, ordered towards ownership and opportunity? Well, you might find yourself at home with fellow travelers like us as part of the Dorothy Day Caucus. We are an independent group of like-minded members from the American Solidarity Party. Find out more about us at our Facebook group, Dorothy Day Caucus ASP, and more about the American Solidarity Party itself at solidarity-party.org. We're here with Monica Solar, who's I've been corrected, uh, is running as an assembly person, or for assembly person for the yep. assembly in New Jersey. I've imprinted my uh, my home state of Virginia on the office she's uh, running from. And uh, but speaking of Virginia, you heard uh, Joel Salatin, uh, Virginia's uh, native son, uh, author of many books, in, including uh, one called uh, "Folks, This Ain't Normal." And that's kind of what he was talking about there. Uh, and if you, you like what you heard there, you can find that entire interview on uh, London Real TV, which can, is uh, LondonReal.tv. I'm sure if you just search for Joel Salatin, S-A-L-A-T-I-N on the last name, uh, he'll be sure to pop. Uh, so, uh, Monica, we heard, uh, we heard our, uh, our ad also for the Dorothy Day Caucus. I think it's probably a, a good lead in. So, what you're a member of the Dorothy Day Caucus? What uh, yeah. what attracted you to to that? And um, you know, your thoughts on Dorothy Day? Um, huh. I um, I I received a message asking if I would like to be uh, involved in Dorothy Day Caucus that it was starting. I asked what it was about, and uh, when I received the information, I was like, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Um, I think in the Solidarity Party there is a lot of diversity. We have our basic, uh, you know, four core principles, and there's a lot of different ideas about how to enact them, and that's not a bad thing. That's that's a good thing. Uh, but normal. I found I was more allied. Excuse me. 
it's it's pretty normal. I mean, not everyone. Yeah. You know, politics would be easy if we all agreed on the way to get get to uh, the end of the road. Well, I think I think it is uh, very good for people that have a common. Uh, it is a common moral view. I, I use the word moral. People get there's a lot of baggage with that term. Um, but viewing you know the value of human life, you know, care for creation, all the all the things we have in our four principles. Um, how you enact that, if you are only with like-minded people, you're going to miss potential solutions. And when people kind of have a different approach and they can debate about it, and there's a bit of tug and pull, you sometimes find there's an answer in the middle or that the first people you disagree with actually have a good idea on, on a certain aspect. So I do see that within the party. But I will say um, I find myself more allied with the people in the Dorothy Day caucus overall as far as, as, as overview, at least as I understand it. There's also... Um, I, I tend to respond to intellectual argument. Um, it's funny. I don't know any Star Trek fans out there, but, uh, every ship needs both a Mr. Spock and a Dr. McCoy. You need, you know, you need and a Scotty. You need they the all intellect. need Scotty. Well, they all need Scotty. Actually, yeah, he's in the engine room making it all run. <laughs> Good line. But, um... At the Dorothy Day Caucus, the Facebook page and their web page, there's a lot of very uh, – sometimes I feel like the uned, uneducated one in the party. There's some really uh, deep thought on economics and human dignity. And one thing I really like about the caucus is, you know, these essays come out. You can read it. It's a very uh, rational and uh, logical approach to, ec- to economics, to the human person, and, and to service. And I feel like I'm educating myself, you know, Reading all the reading these things that a lot of the members share, I I definitely don't have the knowledge that a lot of people in the party have, but I'm certainly willing to learn it. I just found myself drawn to that. I also found myself drawn to the um, overall. I mean, I personally think Facebook is. I don't know. I think it was spawned in the depths of hell sometimes. So <laughs> it can, argument can get very intense on Facebook, and I again, it's just like in politics. You can't take it too seriously. People can't hear each other. They can't hear, hear each other's tone. And I think it's always better to give another person the benefit of the doubt in an argument. But I did find on most of the time when I read on the Dorothy Day Caucus page, there's a lot of civility in, in argument and in the, the intellectual, like, talk with me. We disagree, but let's, let's talk about this. What do you mean? I find that quite common, and I, I really appreciate that because um, everybody's got feelings, but let's, let's back it up with some facts and some logic. And I personally am seeing that there on the Facebook page. It's a rare thing to find anywhere on Facebook. Um, so I appreciate that. Well, I, I would think – I think that you could submit that Facebook, even though it's amplified there, it's a – what you speak of is a challenge just in society nowadays. It's hard even yes. in person sometimes to have discussions with other people and, and just disagree Yes, I definitely. And Facebook magnifies. And I'm speaking. I mean, I was obviously speaking a little bit humorously when I said, you know, evil spawned from the depths of hell. I'm joking because you know we all see fights flare up among people that would normally get along. But this is again, this ties in with kind of uh, some of the uh, principles and philosophy of the party. Um, we need to have human contact to talk things through. And that's less and less common as people rely on technology for communication. You no longer have tone. You're reading someone else's word in the tone in your own brain, which is going to be colored by what you think they think. It can degenerate very quickly. Um, 
And in person, if you are willing to take the time in a relationship to talk with someone, it won't always go well. People still get upset. They can blow up at you. But on the whole, you can talk in person. You need that personal connection. You absolutely need that personal connection in order to work things through. And that is a problem. It's just a problem. I don't know the answer to it in society. I don't think, I mean, I'm not a Luddite. I don't think technology is bad. But I think we have to be very careful to maintain real human contact in the presence of each other. Um, When I was at the Consistent Life Network conference, which was very, very impressive, I had a a lot of my prejudices about uh, uh certain groups just shattered there. It was a very impressive group of people. I was especially impressed with the people from Rehumanize. And in that group, they have a system of setting up little, they call them cells, like, you know, in different cities for Rehumanize. And those individual groups, at least twice a month, they need to meet together for a meal and a discussion in person, not just on the Internet. And I found that really impressive, and I think – People listening to this, just keep that in mind. Meet with people in real life and talk to them. Uh, it's it's really important. It might even help you talk with people on Facebook. You know, but um, give people the benefit of the doubt when you're reading their posts. Wise words for all of us. Now uh, up in New Jersey, so let's let's focus a little bit on uh, on Jersey. Uh, the uh, the ASP chapter up there. I uh, I heard somewhere that uh, the New Jersey chapter is, if not the fastest growing, uh, certainly one of the top uh, growing chapters. No doubt, because I think they're you know they're you guys are running a candidate. Uh, but any other reasons why you think y'all are uh, y'all are doing good? Um, I think this is the time. Uh... Well, Michael does a great job um, as the acting acting chair. Uh, New Jersey is an interesting state. It's it's small, but it's really four or five states merged together. Uh, the geographical areas don't have a whole lot of crossover. So, and there's a, a lot of different views. We're very we're called the Garden State, and yet people in their mind they either think of the Jersey Shore, which please don't judge us by that show. And um, or they think of the area very near New York. It's New York suburbs, but New Jersey is very diverse. In the Northwest, it's more well. We would say mountainous, but people in Colorado would laugh at us. There's you know a stretch of the Alleghenies that crosses in. Uh, there's a lot of farms there, and then you have the fruit farms in the South. You have a lot of rural in New Jersey. You have the gentleman farms in the Central State. You have the shore areas. You have the Pine Barrens, which is an incredible, unique ecosystem. It's a, this big area of wilderness, big relative to New Jersey. Um, so for the party itself, you have people coming from all these different uh, uh, situations, you know, coming together. But I think something that draws people together is they're just very dissatisfied with the current political state. You know, one thing interesting, New Jersey, a few years ago, we had two ballot measures up. One was to preserve open space. And one, and I hope I'm remembering this correctly, don't quote me on it, was to fund embryonic stem cell research. And there was this campaign, I think some of the uh, pro-life people were hoping that they could use a tactic of spending, turn down all spending to save your tax dollars just to stop the embryonic stem cell research uh, public funding of that. And uh, the end, the votes, what came out at the end, it was very interesting. People voted overwhelmingly to preserve open space and spend tax dollars for that, but not to spend tax dollars on the embryonic stem cell research. That spoke loads to me about the values people have 
uh, in New Jersey that they certainly there was much more of a, a, a set of values in line with the Solidarity Party, and it's not. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say it is. Ex- I don't want to say extremely. Con- it, it was a the vote went that way, and it was very very interesting to see that to see how people voted. There definitely were willing to spend money on something worthwhile, but there certainly was also a moral aspect of do we really want to go that direction of destroying embryos for research. I was fascinated by that because if you just read the press, you would not have expected people to vote that way, and they did. So maybe some of those people are being drawn into the party. Um, something interesting too at our our recent state chapter meeting and again new jersey it's only it might only be you have to drive 90 miles to get somewhere but the state being divided up as it is people are really uncomfortable leaving their location and driving that distance however we did get some people together in person and uh one of the people there and i'm his name is escaping me right now but he was talking about the party perhaps being active not only in the political arm but just in the standing in solidarity with groups that are trying to make a difference in their community, like uh, members of the party actively supporting uh, going out and doing some legwork for, say, a crisis pregnancy center that is helping women trying to get give them support for a situation rather than just saying, you know, don't abort. I found that really interesting, standing in solidarity with uh, helping people in a homeless shelter, going out as a party and doing that. I thought that was uh, really great, and I think that People see a need for that, and that is also drawing people into the party. So it's not all running for office. Um, there's a lot of just being active in your community and standing with people who need who need help. Are there any other issues? You know, for all, for you know, we're not none of us. Uh, well, I shouldn't say none of us, but most of us probably listening are not from New Jersey. You know, you ask you know me about New Jersey. I've certainly been there been there plenty of times i i think about the fact that i'm not allowed to pump my gas there uh unless that's changed oh it's a Um, blessing (laughs) it's a blessing if it's snowing and it's cold and someone else can pump your gas you know we had that actually i remember when corzine was governor they were talking about changing that he said his office never got as many calls as he did over that issue that people did not want to pump their own gas they wanted someone to pump it for them (laughs) Well, the first I don't know time I encountered about that, our priorities, but it also keeps people employed that would otherwise be let go. It, and it, our gas it does. is some of the cheapest in the country. But it's to to a visitor, you know, I was I was like probably in my uh, you know twenty years old driving through the state, <laughs> and I go to pump my gas. This guy's stopping me, and I'm like, what you know, dude, what's up? You know, like it, it was almost like I committed a crime. You're not allowed to touch that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, New but, Jersey does have an awful lot of. Um, uh, it does have a lot of silly regulation, um, so yeah, you can get uh, you can be treated as though it's a crime for something like that. But the residents also, the residents of Jersey really love the fact that they don't have to pump their own gas. They they adore it. And I'll have to tell you, for people who are, I um, uh, I'm I'm doing pretty well now. But a number of years ago, I had an accident and it impaired my foot. I was you know in a wheelchair for a period of time, and then I had a cane, and now I'm walking okay. But I have to tell you. Until you are in a wheelchair, you don't realize how you are treated when you're in a wheelchair. People view you as an object. They push past you. They don't mean to. They just don't see you as a person. And if you are in any way impaired to be able to pull up and have someone else pump your own gas, that's a blessing. Well, really we might is. have the, the fifth pillar for ASP here. Uh, pump, uh, <laughs> we don't want to pump our own gas. Don't pump Sounds, your own gas. There yeah, you go. It's like, 
It's such a and good deal. It's, obviously, this is not a major issue, but I, it was no, funny but so, that we felt What so are some major issues that, that, that are out me? there? What are some major issues uh, that you, you know for New Jersey? New Jersey. New Jersey is interesting. Uh, it, I believe one of the biggest problems facing us – well, I, one of my – always one of my most important issues anywhere is, is uh, our pro-life issues. And I do define that as anti-abortion but also other things. Um, I definitely have a consistent life view uh, so for me, that is very important. Uh, things like defunding Planned Parenthood is very important, but I do believe in supporting the community health clinics. However, the state itself, uh, there are some things that are a big concern. One of the something that sometimes goes under the radar is the uh, opioid addiction problem, and that is a huge problem here. I think it's a problem all across the country. We also live in a state that is uh, has an awful lot of pharmaceuticals. So there's a bit of a conflict there, um, and I'm not – I can't tell you easily what the answer is. There's a lot of stuff that's going around in Trenton about ways to solve it. Some of the solutions, I think, are awfully silly, um, but I do think it is something that we really need to look at. And as I said before, sometimes if I take the trouble to listen to a solution I think is silly, maybe there's, maybe there's something in there we can work with. But that has to be addressed. It's a, it's a major problem, and people go – it can happen to anyone. People – People have this mentality, if someone has an addiction problem, that it's their fault or if only they had willpower, and that has nothing to do with addiction. Um, addiction is a monster that grabs someone and holds them, and the best person in the world can spiral down. And with the opioids, you had these people prescribe this, and they, they trusted their doctors, and the doctors trusted the pharmaceuticals, the pharmaceuticals trusted their research, and it's become a major problem. So that, that needs to be addressed, and I certainly think there needs to be some more uh, oversight in how these drugs are prescribed and definitely more help for people, especially poorer people who cannot, who don't have the financial resources for rehabs to get, to get help for the addiction. So that, that's, a big, that's a big issue for me. If you talk to most people in New Jersey, they'll say the biggest problem is property taxes. And property taxes here are tied into education, largely, um, there's not a lot of easy answers there, but I would say a big problem, this is hard to say a problem, I think the cost of benefits affects towns tremendously. And we have to be willing to look at a way to support the workers' benefits, but also manage costs. That's very easy to say. It's very hard to do. And we have to take a hard look at that um, because people can't, people can't pay their property taxes and they lose their property. So that's that's a big issue here, and it's a human issue. It's not just a money issue. Um, I am thinking of one particular woman in my town that was going to lose her house. She couldn't pay the taxes. She was an older woman. Her house was in disrepair because she could not afford to keep it up. She was putting so much money. My property taxes cost me more each month than my mortgage. They're very, very high here. So you have to look at the human cost of that taxes and how it's affecting people. So that's that's a very big issue here, and it is a human issue. It's not just a money issue. I want more money to, you know, go to Nordstrom and buy stuff. That's not what it's about. All right. So last question about New Jersey, because New Jersey, uh, you know, I remember as a, when I was a, a young man saying uh, Tom Kane all the time, you know, New Jersey and you perfect <laughs> together. And, uh, but you guys have had yeah. a lot of, a lot of notable politicians. So, you know, Tom Kane, uh, Christine Todd Whitman, you know, Chris Christie is notable, Frank Lautenberg, uh, Torricelli, oh. uh, 
Oh, who's the jet? You got the one gent that's in trouble now. Uh, I can't. Uh, the senator. But yes, yeah, but I, and I probably, if I sat here, I could probably think of a few other names. So you guys have had some pretty notable oh, yeah. politicians that have made a, you know, a national name for themselves. And, you know, you might not have one, you know, you might not match any, you certainly don't match Menendez, but uh, is there any one of these guys, or is there some New Jersey politician that, that you look up to? Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, there's a lot I have, there's a lot of politicians I have issues with. Uh, I, I really, uh, I disagree on policy with an awful lot of our politicians. Uh, Cory Booker, I disagree very strongly with. Um, seems like a very nice guy, but I'm, I'm very far from him on many issues. Not all. I would say, see, the politician that I think I've held over time in highest esteem was not in New Jersey. He was in Pennsylvania, and that was Bob Casey Sr., not Jr. Jr. is not his dad. Um, Bob Casey Sr. was very close to me on very many issues. He's the Casey in um, Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 92. Yes, and I, I remember. remember I lived in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I lived in Pennsylvania at the time, and he was a person that, to me, was what the Democratic Party used to be and no longer is. Um, I had a lot of respect for him. In New Jersey, I would say uh, I have trouble thinking of many, but one that stands out to me is Chris Smith, who's not uh, from my area. He's a congressman uh, a little farther to the north. But I don't agree with him on everything, but he does have a very strong view of the dignity of the human person. He really uh, is active in fighting sex trafficking. Um, he is pro-life. Uh, I might disagree with him. He's, he's gone back and forth a little bit on immigration. Um, there, I, I actually called his office today to ask for a clarification of where he now stood on it. I don't know if they really wanted to hear from me because I'm not in his, his district, but I was interested in that because I know I've spoken to him when I've gone down for the March for Life to Washington, I had met over the years, over the many years, I've met a lot of different politicians, and he's one of the, one of the ones that impressed me as really valuing human beings. And his, his view on everything comes from that, that view that human beings are worthwhile. So um, I would put Chris Smith out there. Uh, again, I'm not in agreement with him on everything, but on his overall his notion of people being worthwhile because they're human beings is important to me. Well, it's not an easy question, admittedly. So I, I sometimes say that the best president was Washington, and it's been downhill ever since. So <laughs> I, uh, I I understand. That one's kind of putting you on the spot. You know, we're, we are a little long for a break, but we have a caller. So let's uh, let's go ahead and okay. put the caller on. Caller, you're on Hi. with Monica Soller. Hi, Monica. This is Tara Theek. Um, Hi. Hi. I'm curious, um, as someone who's, you know, thought about running for office and would never, obviously would want to run with the ASP, um, how's the reaction been from your peers? My my father ran with the Citizens Party for office in New Jersey when he was young, and he, he remembers being laughed at off stage and just made a mockery of and uh, when they went to a debate, they were actually a little bit impressed because he had done so much research and reading and really knew his stuff. So I wondered if you feel like people kind of look at you as being weird, and then when you start talking, they're like, oh, this person actually has ideas. They're not just running to get a little bit of attention. 
Well, I think an advantage I have, and this this was the case when I was collecting signatures to be on the ballot, because in New Jersey, New Jersey does not recognize the American Solidarity Party. So okay. I am on the ballot as an independent, but under my name it does say American Solidarity Party, and hopefully we'll get, you know, we'll be able to get recognized in the state. Um, there is such a control in South Jersey. There are political bosses, and I would say the Democratic machine has a huge amount of control in the area I'm in. Um, when I got my signatures, I flew a little low under the radar. Uh, people who know me signed, neighbors signed, uh, because they knew me. I had a huge range. I had Bernie Sanders supporters and Trump supporters and never Trumpers and all these people signing because they knew me. And wow. when you start to talk to people, really talk to them, even if they don't agree with you. And I have one neighbor, she's actually in politics herself, and um, and she was very much a Sanders supporter. And we she she actually read the platform when I sent her a link to it, and she is not um, opposed to legal abortion, as I am. Uh, but she agreed with an awful lot of it. And wow. she signed my she signed the petition, and I said to her, I said, you know, you don't, you don't have to sign this petition if you – I guess that's the wrong political tack to take. But I think I'm very big on <laughs> yes, people following their own consciences. I said, I'm still your friend whether you sign it or not. Never feel obliged to sign something. Always be willing to say no. I will defend your right to have your own view. I absolutely will. And she said to me, I know we disagree on a few very important things, but I know you're someone who will listen and you're someone I can talk to and will look at the other side, and that's more valuable than having someone I agree with on everything. Um, wow, that's great. And I was very touched. And it also is – I share a little bit of that sentiment, um, but there's something to be said for people getting to know you personally. This ties back to what we were talking about earlier. There's nothing that beats knocking on doors and talking to people personally. However, because of this huge – amount of control the Democratic machine has, once I had the petitions and I was on the ballot, I don't think anyone would, is taking me seriously because they're <laughs> saying, oh, that's right, we've got this wrapped up. So if you're okay. in New Jersey, don't let them get this wrapped up. Come out and vote for me. In fact, come out and work for me, okay, because I could <laughs> use you. I think getting the message out there is um, once you start talking to people, it, they don't even, it's not even a matter of mocking. It's like, oh, that's a, that's a third-party candidate. It's not going to matter. So it's not. Now, what office did your dad run for? He ran for state representative. Okay, so it's it's the same then. And uh, what area was he in? He was in Middletown, New Jersey. Okay. I don't All know right. what district that is now. That would but, be, um, that yeah. Was back in, like, okay, I'm not sure the district number. Um, I, I have not. I have not experienced that yet at this point. And I also think, you know, people in the state, more and more, um, I ran before, I actually ran twice before for, for local office, the first time as an independent, second time as a Republican, hoping to get some backing, you know, from the party to get some, some people out there. And I ran as an opposition candidate both times. And so I've seen the list of registered voters, you know, as we went through this process, you get the list of registered voters. And I have seen since 2006 was my first run. 2008 was my second. And that was the wrong year to run as a Republican, I'll tell you that, uh, 2008. <laughs> but um, I did come very close, but it's still people did vote. A lot of people put voted state, uh, straight Democrat that year, didn't even look at uh, anything else. But I'm seeing more and more people leave both parties. In New Jersey, you don't have a category called independent. You have unaffiliated. 
that is overwhelmingly where people are in the state. So I think okay. even from people in the parties, there's there may be it may be less likely to mock. Uh, voters are tired of both parties, and they're certainly tired of the mocking and the games and the sniping that goes on. You know, so that that's, that's an advantage to us this year. Good, that's uplifting to hear. I, I gives me a little bit of hope for the future then. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a big one on plan plans, not results, and um, I think you just have to keep your head down and keep going forward, knowing that some people think you're crazy, maybe you are, and some people, <laughs> you know, there's always going to be someone that makes an issue of something. You just keep putting one foot in front of each other, uh, other, and go and do what you need to do, and okay. things will eventually get done if you just keep doing that. So. Well, if you're if you're getting Bernie Sanders voters and Trump voters to sign up for you, you know that's um, that's promising. It shows people can still still unite on some things. And it's because again, people knew me, and I can't stress enough the importance of getting out in your community, volunteering where you can. You have people that work two, three jobs, just don't have time to volunteer for anything. Yeah. I understand that it's very stressful. But if you can go out, even if you're doing something once a month, and meet with other people that live right around you, that's really important. I mean, go down. I shop at our local, uh, our local corner store more than I shop at a supermarket. It might cost me a couple of bucks extra. But I'm supporting the town. I'm also getting to know the people in the market, the people that come in there. It's a social setting. You feel like you're in Mayberry. There's still a <laughs> hunger for that. But you have to go out and do it. There's always a reason not to. There's always a reason not to do everything. There's that line from Aquinas, discouragement's a tool of the devil, and I firmly believe that. Not that I don't get discouraged. I go, like, once a week I get, like, two hours of extreme discouragement, and then I get over it. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's, you just have to go out and do it anyway. Go out and meet other people and talk to them. Other people are scary. Other people might think you're weird. I finally decided just to embrace the fact maybe I am weird and not worry about it. But, I mean, other people worry about what other people think. What if I say the wrong thing? What Don't. Forget it. Just go out and meet people anyway. If you're nervous, do it anyway. And that's how you're going to build your community and make a difference. And look, look who signed for me because they knew me. Well, I think I think the ASP is going to need you to give a pep talk <laughs> to all of us on how to run for office. <laughs> yeah, and very, I, I uh, agree. That's very helpful. Uh, it sounds like genuineness uh, uh, pays off. Uh, and yes. I, thank you, Tara, for calling in. We got to go to a break. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Have a great night. All right, folks, we'll be back uh, here uh, in a minute. Uh, if you want to talk to Monica, Monica uh, near the end of the program here, 917-889-3030, 917-889-3030. On with Monica Solar. She's running for the assembly in New Jersey. Sorry, I'd like to just address I'd like to address uh, the lady who had spoken, the Danish lady who had spoken about uh, comparing African women not having the right to choose what to do with her body and it being colonization. It's actually quite amazing how you were able to kind of twist that into shape, uh, to, to that thought. But I must say this to you. Um, I am from a tribe called the Igbo tribe in Nigeria. If I tried to translate in my native tongue what it means for a woman to choose what to do with her body, I couldn't. Most of the African native languages don't even have a way of phrasing abortion to mean anything good. Now, 
as, a com as communities of people and as societies, where it, it actually then becomes colonization, a neo-colonization, is that people from the Western world come to Africa and try to give us these kinds of language that we could never translate into our native tongue. They tell us that it actually can mean something for a woman to do something with her body, which isn't really morally uh, bad. But anyway... The first thing that we have to think of and remember is that as communities, which was one thing I highlighted right at the beginning, culturally, most of the African communities actually believe by tradition, by their, their cultural standards, that abortion is a direct attack on human life. So for anybody to convince a woman that abortion is good... Sorry. So I'm sorry. So for anybody to be able to convince any woman in Africa that abortion is actually a good thing and can be a good thing, you first of all have to tell her that what her parents and her grandparents and her ancestors taught her what is actually wrong. You're going to have to tell her that they have always been wrong in their thinking. And that, madam, is colonization. It was completely unexpected, as such things usually are. The sirens sounded very loudly, and I just sat there for a few seconds, staring at the screen with the word LAUNCH displayed in bold red letters. A minute later, the siren went off again. The second missile was launched, then the third, and the fourth, and the fifth, the computers changed their alerts from launch to missile strike. There were no rules about how long we were allowed to think before we reported a strike. But we knew that every second of delay took away valuable time that the Soviet Union's military and political leadership needed. And then I made my decision. I would not trust the computer. I picked up the telephone handset, spoke to my superiors, and reported that the alarm was false. But I, myself, was not sure until the very last moment. I knew perfectly well that nobody would be able to correct my mistake if I had made one. Welcome back. Day's Work Podcast. I'm Stu, your host, here with Monica Soler running for the Assembly in New Jersey. So we had two good clips there for you, both uh, pro-life clips. Uh, first one was uh, Obianuju Ekeocha. Uh, she's the uh, founder and president of the Culture of Life Africa, which is an initiative dedicated to promotion and defense of African values on the sanctity of life, uh, marriage, and the blessing of motherhood. Very very challenging words uh, uh, she had there equating abortion in Africa with, uh, with colonialism. And the last one uh, was of note, uh, was uh, Stanislav Yevgravovich Petrov, who died this week at the age of 77. He was then a lieutenant colonel in the Soviet Air Defense Forces back in 1983. And this was... Uh, you know, for the older set was uh, just weeks after the Soviets shot down the Korean airliner flight uh, 007, killing everyone on board. Um, uh, the colonel, 
sitting at his station, uh, had indications that the U.S. had launched uh, nuclear weapons and that they were inbound uh, to his country. Uh, and he, based upon you know a gut feeling or just rationalization, uh, determined those were false, uh, delayed long enough, uh, did not carry out a, uh, a, a return a volley of nuclear weapons. And so for that, back in 1983, he is, uh, many people say he saved the world back then. So, you know, say a prayer uh, for the soul of, uh, of the good uh, Colonel Petrov. So, uh, Monica, let's uh, let's build off the uh, the pro-life moment uh, there. You know, um, we talk about a consistent life ethic or, you know, a lot of times in the party we say we're pro-life for the whole life. But what do you how do you feel about the charge that you often hear a lot that, you know, those people who only kind of uh, work against abortion, they're not really pro-life. They're pro-birth. Um, how do you feel about that charge? It's baloney. All right, it's it's nonsense, and it's it's simply an attack from people that just want to attack. It is while there will always be someone who meets a particular stereotype. Anyone I've known who's been active in the pro-life, in the sense of anti-abortion movement, anyone has been anything but just pro-birth. Um, there for helping before, during, after. There is a mentality of the value of the human person that translates. It's nonsense. And if you repeat nonsense enough, people believe it. I would say to someone that throws that to me is go and see. Go and see. Go to a crisis pregnancy center and see what happens. Um, go get involved with people that are doing this. I mean, it's funny because Norma McCorvey, Jane Rove, Roe v. Wade, uh, they had Operation Rescue would set up this little office next door to her clinic, and she would go in there to sort of she banter and also to kind of poke them with a stick, and they treated her like a friend and respectfully. And she started to see these people did not fit what she thought. Uh, so invite people in. I think sitting and arguing with someone, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. You know that really. What good does that do? Say to someone, come and see. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But it is the charge is absolute nonsense. And again, someone will say, yeah, but my brother's sister's cousin knew someone who felt that way. Well, okay, goody for them. Come and see what most people are doing. Also, you have a difference between an armchair, uh, somebody who from their armchair says, oh, yes, I'm for this or against that, but they're not out in the trenches doing anything. Oh, I don't know. I can't speak for those people. But go to the diehard people that are out there working, and you will not see that attitude. Absolutely not. Yeah, I concur. That's been my experience too. That the, the people that are um, that are out working those front lines are very dedicated to the entire person uh, before yeah. and after the birth, and the mother included. So I've I've always Absolutely. thought it's a bit of an unfair charge. Now, I will say, I mean, I guess maybe where they're coming from when you hear people make that charge, is it possible that you know we we focus on abortion and rightfully so? I mean, it is it is. If you can, if you can justify killing a child in the womb, you can you can justify any inhumanity. Anything, right? So, but I, I understand that maybe sometimes uh, there are folks out there that would call themselves pro-life that maybe are a little in, you know, maybe not consistent in their views when it comes to aid for for children, you know, after the fact or uh, you know, families well, that aren't well something- off. 
I think this is where you get in a difference. And first of all, this is another reason people need to get out there and see what's going on. And there's nothing to replace a personal interaction. But I would say that also hasn't been my experience. Um, see, how can I say this without – I do not want to violate anyone's privacy here. There was a situation uh, – a person I was helping that was in a crisis situation, um, uh, they'd already had their child. You know, it was it was, but they had they had difficulties making certain bills. They had problems, and people that got together to help this person, including providing money that they it was like a widow's might to an extent that they didn't have a lot of. Some very conservative people that would not support a lot of social programs are out there actually doing something. And so what I think it is, is I think there is a difference in the notion of how you solve a problem. Um, now, I definitely am on the side of providing aid. I think there is a function for the state there. And, again, I will refer you to Bob Casey in Pennsylvania that started the CHIP program over there. Um, However, I think it's too easy to paint people with saying, oh, you just don't care about that. No, maybe they do. They just actually are doing it out of their own time and money rather than expecting the state to do it. So don't be too quick to point a finger at someone and say you're part of the bad people. I think that is almost always a major mistake. Yeah, great. So let's, uh, let's finish off then, Monica, with a question about the party, uh, American mm-hmm. Solidarity Party, in your mind – you know, uh, because now, you know, you're you're running for office. Uh, you've got some experience. You certainly, uh, I think, are, are in a position to uh, make some observations or recommendations. What what do we need to do to uh, continue to grow? Um, I think every individual needs to. Um, one, not sweat the small stuff. Um, we have to come together in solidarity on common goals. Um, We have to be active in our local communities. Um, That will make all the difference. Work at your local level and then your state level. The party will grow naturally. I think there's also, uh, there can be a mentality in any group, and I'm not saying it's the solidarity party. I mean, any group I've been in where they're trying to increase membership. There can be a thought that what we need to do is get members. No, what you need to do is, is stand for your principles and go out there and walk the walk. Let people know about it. Whether they join or not will depend on whether they respond to what you're saying. But go out there and do that. Be less focused. As much as it's important to bring people in, be less focused on numbers and more focused on living out your principles. And the numbers will come from that. It may happen quickly. Certainly, this is a ripe time for it. It may happen slowly, but um, you know, just get out, get out there, and do it. And and look to your own self to make sure that um, that you are willing to stand in solidarity with people over very, very important issues, and be willing to compromise on other issues. And that's our, our, our party's slogan, which I could not find on the website. I think it might have been dropped off, which it should go back on, which is that common good, common ground, common sense. Keep that focus in your own personal life, and then you'll bring it into the party. Okay, folks. Well, you heard it. There are your marching orders uh, from Monica herself. Uh, Monica, thanks for being here tonight. We, of course, thanks wish for you me. 
Well, our pleasure. Uh, we wish you best uh, in the upcoming election. Folks can find you on uh, Facebook. Uh, you can actually just go to at Monica Solar, uh, all one word, at Monica Solar. Uh, you have a, a website or, or any other uh, things uh, you yeah, want to throw out? Yeah, we do, and of course, I don't, ha- I don't have the page up here right now. I don't have the <laughs> web address, um, which is a very negligent of me, kind of dumb. But um, you'll, see, you'll see it on the Facebook page. You'll see a link. Uh, the website is Patrick Harris is a very dedicated volunteer, and he will be out of the country, but volunteered to work uh, remotely on working on the web page and the Facebook page, and he is just incredible. And I believe he's also a member of the Dorothy Day Caucus. So um, he lives very close to me. And, uh, well, he'll be out of the country, but he did live very close to me. Uh, so that is that is a work in progress, but it's uh, it's going up there. So come to my – come contact me on Facebook, Monica Tully. You can find me also at the Dorothy Day Caucus. You can find me at, at the web at the uh, Facebook page, uh, uh, Monica Solar for State Assembly for New Jersey State Assembly. All those places. If you are in the area, please come and volunteer, and I will trust me. I will find something for you to do. So thank you. All right, and thank you, folks. That wraps up uh, tonight's episode on the Day's Work Podcast. I am Stu. Enjoyed the evening with you all. Uh, look forward to our next episode. Don't know who that's going to be yet. We have a few ideas in the mix, but uh, you will be hearing from us soon. So we will see you again in two weeks. Uh, and Whisper and Jack, take us out. And every day was a lonely day for me. Then good luck came a knocking at my door. Skies were gray, but they're not gray anymore. Blue skies smiling at me. Nothing but blue skies do I see. Nothing but bluebirds all day long. I never saw the sun shining so bright. I never saw things going so right. Noticing the clouds up in the sky. And when you're in love, my how they fly. Blue days, all of them gone. And nothing but blue skies. From now on, now I should care if the wind blows east or west, and I should fret if the worst looks like the best, and I should mind if they say it can't be true. I should smile, and that's exactly what I'll do. Blue skies, <laughs> nothing but.
nothing but blue sky from now on. Blue skies smiling at me, nothing but blue skies do I see. Up in the sky, and when you're in love, my how they fly. Blue days, all of them gone, and nothing but blue skies from now on. Blue skies, smiling at me. 